what are you fucking telling me, people? Welcome back to our second episode for 2020 Visions. Before I go on, I think I owe everyone a bit of an apology because I think I dropped my first podcast episode at the beginning of August or the end of July. And after that, I dropped nothing else. My friends kept texting me, violating me, calling me a one-hit wonder because I legit dropped the first episode and had no follow-up. It wasn't really like... Oh, I mean, the first episode actually did really well, so thank you to everyone that listened to it, streamed it, shared it, wherever they could, with their friends, with their family. Obviously, as you know, I can't really relate to sharing it with my family because I'm not really, I still have not been added back into my family group chat room. Like, after the first podcast episode, I thought, bygones be bygones. I made a whole new group chat, um, said a few messages, and then about three days later, I think I pissed them all off because they were raw or left, back to the original family group chat. Like, what am I actually doing, Monk? What do you... Now listen to this, do you think I'm that bad to be in a family group chat with? What do you like, actually think I'm doing wrong? Maybe I should stop talking about it on a podcast, maybe that's rubbing them up the wrong way. Who knows? Stay tuned for the next episode, we'll find out, we'll get added back on up. Must see if you're listening. I've said it now, add me back. But yeah, the first episode did really well. I think it reached like seven or eight different countries. I don't know how, fuck knows who's listening to it in Iran or Poland, but yo, shout out to ya. The feedback was really positive as well. There was a few, actually, no, I'm going to read out one of the criticisms I got, so, right there. Let me just pause that now. I don't know whether it was a criticism or just straight violation, but... So, a person DM'd their 2020 vision Instagram page and thought, oh, I really love the first episode, really tackled a lot of key issues, etc, 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 knowledge is really good, etc, etc, etc. So, I'm thinking, yeah, this is quite positive, you know, the girl's been really nice. Then they go, oh, well, I do think your accent could do with a bit of work. So, I'm thinking, alright, maybe, you know, they're not the first person to say this carried on reading so they sent me a link to a speech therapist in Harley Street London sent me a link to a speech therapist in Harley Street London bro like can we just deep can we just can we just take a moment of silence to process how much of a violation that is? Harley Street, London, London, and we all know nothing's cheap in London. They really wanted me to invest top dollar in improving my voice. That's how much they hate my accent. They're like, they even put before they sent it. First of all, what the fuck does mean someone please tell me is that sk 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 like i'm very confused i thought that's when you're laughing but this is clearly not a joke either my feelings are actually quite hurt but you know but that's like, actually no that's not saying huh jake i look if i mean tomorrow if i start making videos on youtube someone says to me i don't like the look of your face so here here's a link to a plastic surgeon in fucking bulgaria do you know what i mean that's basically the equivalent of it you just it just doesn't make sense. I just how do you hate my voice accent that much that so you want me to invest in a speech therapist? I don't even think that will change my accent. That will just make me speak. Today we'll be discussing the issue in Punjab right now regarding the farmers' crisis. I know a lot of you probably seen a lot of posts on Instagram, etc., etc. I'm wondering what the hell is going on. So this podcast episode is aiming to clear all of that up. But before we get into that, 
those of you listening, obviously, as you know, we're actually currently going undergoing a second lockdown. Is it just me or does it feel like COVID did a disappearing act throughout the whole of August and made a comeback just as everyone else was going back to university? COVID has ruined, actually no, I don't want to say ruined, ruined, it's such, a, it's such an exaggeration. You should always look at the bottle as half full, even in this pandemic when everything else is going tits up, always look at the bottle as half full, keep positive. So yeah, I'm not going to say ruined, I'm not going to be like that guy, again. ruining it, none of that bullshit, it's drastically changed the lives of a lot of young people. Even from the point of when they were going into university, this new algorithm system that was brought out because of COVID, just so the exam boards could get around the whole exams being cancelled thing. It stopped a lot of young people from getting into their firm university placements, which I don't think is fair. A computer system stopped people from going somewhere they had their heart set on. You know, it. how can a computer system dictate people's grades based on what their mock exams? Let's be real, who actually revises for their mock exams? Even the whole concept of going to university before, people were scared about getting a bad hand job or contracting an STD at university. Now, the only thing anyone's scared of is COVID. And the worst thing about COVID is even condoms can't protect you from this shit. At least with STDs, whack a condom on and you're basically safe. With COVID, I think it's... If you're in a room with someone that has COVID symptoms for more than 15 minutes or 20 minutes, you automatically contract it. Obviously, I'm not a medical expert. But yeah, I actually know at the beginning of September, I noticed a lot of flat parties were going on as well. A lot of these Instagram pages, this is what I didn't agree with actually. A lot of these Instagram pages were exposing these DJs for hosting, for hosting these flat parties. Why do that? Why ruin that DJ's reputation? All right, I know everyone's a D, everyone and their dad's a DJ these days. They release one SoundCloud remix and call themselves a DJ. That's not the point. What's the point in, my argument is why are you ruining that person's reputation? Now nah, that person just remembered as the one that violated COVID guidelines and didn't take it seriously enough. Obviously, everyone should be taking it seriously. But at the same time, people are voluntarily attending these parties or were voluntarily attending these parties and these link-ups. No one was holding a knife at their throat telling them to go. So if you're going to expose these people for hosting them, you might as well individually name and shame all the people attending it, which you physically can't do. It's impossible. So, yo, stop moving at 6 9 I think last time I checked the statistics as well, in West Midland, over 500 calls were made, neighbours reporting each other. What's the point in that? What's the point in letting this pandemic drive us further apart? We should be unifying together at a time like this. Is a time- I just want to make this point clear as well, because a lot of you listening to this are probably having to self-isolate in university accommodations. You're not allowed to go back home because you're fearful that you might give it to your families or your friends have all gone or you're not allowed to interact with your flatmates, etc, etc. But I just want to make this point clear. It's not easy having to self-isolate where one minute you're surrounded by all these people you're surrounded by your family, and now the only thing you're surrounded by is your four walls and your accommodation. So a little bit of advice. I know a lot, some of you might prefer your own company, so this might be a godsend to you. Some of you might just hate people altogether. But for those of you self-isolated that love socialising, keep yourself busy, learn a new skill, do university work, oh my God, do your uni fucking work, all the lectures are online, watch your lectures, or just pick up a side skill, keep yourself entertained, don't just divulge into Netflix because... That stuff gets boring after a while. Keep yourself occupied. Don't let your mind, if you're an overthinker as well, don't let your mind start doing wonders because the last thing you want is to come out of this lockdown depressed as hell. Sometimes I think that our phones are the biggest cause of depression because you see all this stuff on social media. You see your Snapchat memories and think, oh, I want to go back to that time. Yo, just keep positive. Keep a strong med- mental positive state. Look at the bottle. It's half full. But yeah, today we'll be discussing the issue in Punjab regarding the farmer's crisis. Some of you listening are probably thinking to yourselves, well, who the hell cares about farming? Who farms anymore? 
Like, what the hell do you know about farming? Surely you should be talking about other stuff or doing your university work. You're a broken little boy. Very true. Apart from the road, but I've got deadlines going through the roof. However, this needs to be addressed because whilst all of us are here in this country or some of you listening might be in westernized countries where farming isn't a thing or isn't a big thing, in India, in Punjab, in the villages, farming is people's breadline. That is how they feed their families. That is how they pay for the clothes on their children's backs and send them to school. We can't underestimate the power of farming for some people. In Punjab, the farmers are out there grafting the fields all day long. And it should hit home for a lot of you listening because if our parents or our grandparents or even our great-grandparents didn't take the decision to move from India to wherever we are now, that could have been us. Our parents could have been out there in the fields right now. For you know, we could be out in the fields right now if our grandparents or whoever didn't take that decision to move across to another country. And we would have to deal with the repercussions of what the government is doing right now in India. Don't get me wrong. There have always been issues in Punjab with farmers, with the land, with debt, with the government constantly trying to suppress the farmers. The situation is already bad. So you think to yourself, all right, a government will try and make that better. Whatever we think about our government, whatever we think about Boris Johnson, how he's dealt with this whole coronavirus pandemic, how he's deal, dealt with Brexit, he still tried, in his head he thinks it makes sense, but he still tried in some way to make lives better for the people, even though he has very blatantly flopped. For example, the whole pandemic. Many anyway, not about that. You know, the whole point of the government is trying to make their lives better for its citizens. In India, they've just been suppressing the people. The Prime Minister Modi, at the beginning of September, he decided to introduce three new bills, which, quite blatantly, he might as well tie the noose around the farm neck and push him off a, off a stool and call it an early grave. That is how bad he's escalated the situation. He's not neutralised anything. He's not trying to make lives better. He's trying to make lives worse. So, a bit of background for you, a little bit of context for those of you that don't know. Originally, before these bills were introduced, or is currently happening now, kind of, the reason why the farmers are protesting is because, basically, boom. So, originally the farmers would, you know, grow their crops and put it into something known as a mundi. Someone from the state would then come down and value the crops in a mundi and find a buyer for it. So, essentially, this person is like a middleman. He values the crops and find a finds a buyer for it everyone's happy the state gets paid something called a monthly tax so they get a slice of the cake the end buyer obviously they get their crops and the farmer gets to shift their crops if the middleman fails to find a sort of buyer for the crops the state then intervenes and offers the farmer something called an msp a minimum support price this is basically a minimum price for the crops the farmers are happy because they get to well they get to shift their crops and get paid for it so that's enough to cover their costs the state will then take hold of the crops and hoard it and try and find a buyer for it. So it's not the farmer's responsibility anymore. So it's a fairly all right system. Don't get me wrong. There's still issues with it, but it's a fairly all right system. The farmer's still got a sort of support base there. The state's still supporting the farmers with the MSP. They're still taking the burden of trying to find a buyer for it. However, Mundi decided to introduce these bills now. Now, bear in mind, it's important to note that when he introduced these bills, he bypassed all parliamentary procedures now. So... Alarm bell should be ringing in your heads right now. Why is he in such a rush to pass these bills? Surely there should be a bigger agenda attached to this. You know, who cares about, as you said, who cares about farming? Why is he in such a rush to have these bills passed? You know, surely he should have gone through the parliamentary procedures, like with all other laws. Why is he in such a rush? So, in these new bills, he's allowed the farmers to sell directly to these private corporations, directly to these large companies, these supermarkets. 
essentially creating a private market for the farms to sell to. Now, all you business analysts or economists or whatever you want to call yourselves, whoever thinks they're figs out there is probably thinking to yourself, well, that's a good thing. The farmers, A, get to sell to the private market, and they've also got this Monday system as a support network. So, you know, they've got two different revenue streams. If one flops, you've got the other to rely on. However, in an ideal world, that would be perfect. Unfortunately, we do not live in an ideal world. With what you know about India and how they deal with sort of politics with the Jogi Jawa situation, we know is definitely not an ideal world. They do not have the interests of their citizens at heart. What the farmers are protesting for is because they fear if they rely too much on the private market, the government, Modi, will eventually abolish the Mundi system. With the Mundi system goes the MSP. So the farmers essentially have no one else to sell to other than the private market. We all know what large corporations are like. We've seen it with the sweatshops in China. They do not care about no small-time trader. All they care about is high profits. And to achieve those high profits, they want low costs. A little business lesson for you there. They, all they want is low costs. And how are they going to do that? Well, by essentially exploiting the farmers. If one farmer refuses to accept the price, they'll move on to another farmer. They'll try and get the lowest, lowest price possible. And the farmer's got no choice to accept it because they want the work. Other than that, they've got crops with no one to sell to. This is where the situation escalates. This is why there's so many protests. And this is why there are families out there right now crying because they've lost a dad, they've lost a grandparent, there are people here crying because they've lost a brother. This is why the situation is escalating because if the farmers are getting paid a low price for their crops and they don't have an MSP to rely upon, they'll struggle to meet their costs, struggle to meet their... Now, you must be thinking to yourselves, how do these farm bills, how are they leading to people dropping dead? My man's gassing. I'm not. Because what you don't understand is a lot of Punjabi farmers are in debt. They'll take out loans to pay off existing loans to pay for their land. Some of them might even inherit loans. Me, personally, this could have all been avoided if 100 years ago one of them had a good accountant and a cash flow forecast. But the situation is so far gone by that point. A lot of them are in a constant cycle of debt. And if these farmers are struggling to meet these debts, what choice have they got? Their land gets repossessed. They sell the land, they lose all sorts of purpose in life, they don't feel like they belong anywhere. They'll turn to addiction, gambling, trying to better their chances. They'll turn to drink, drugs, take the mind off it. We all know that you can drink as much as you want, you can smoke. Or I'm not saying anyone listening injects or sniffs, but in India that is a bit of an issue. They can take all the drugs they want. When they're sober, when they're on the come down, these financial issues, they're still going to exist by the way, there's a new podcast episode coming out soon about addiction, 2020 visions. I'm, I'm going to be on my Joe Rogan shit. I've got a guest speaker lined up and everything. But anyway, back to my point. What did they do then? Well, addiction is not working. They've got no land or they're struggling to pay for their land. So what's the only solution? Well, unfortunately, they decide to take their own life. They think that's the only escapism. They think, oh, if I take my own life, my family will be free. Sometimes that is the case or sometimes their family inherits the debt. And it makes the debt cycle even worse. It prolongs it. I think on Twitter, I actually read that a farmer, his wife and his two kids all committed suicide to escape this financial burden. How is this fair? Those kids, they're forced to take their own life because of what? A government that doesn't care about the people. I'm not exaggerating any of this. Agricultural debt in India rose by about 61%, I think, in July of this year. In like 15 years, 2000 to 2015, 94% of the suicides was due to debt. You can see, you don't have to be no 
graphics, I mean, no graph specialist or no nerdy data analyst to know there's a direct correlation between debt and Punjabi farmer suicides. These bills that the government have introduced is only going to make that debt worse. Hence why it needs our attention. I think after these bills were introduced, actually, in the first month of these bills being introduced, 68 or 69 farmers committed suicide. God knows what it is now. It could have been even worse. We're always talking about suicide prevention, mental health awareness. In September, we had a whole month dedicated to suicide prevention. I mean, me personally speaking, suicide prevention should be 365 days a year or 366 if it's a leap year. You know, we should be aiming to ensure that people aren't committing suicide at all, not just for one month. But my point here, just because these people are in India doesn't mean their lives are any less important. We should be trying to spread awareness over there. They've got government pushing them to suicide, actually deliberately pushing them off the edge. How is that fair? As you know, I even forgot to point out, you know that a lot of these loans that these farmers are taking out, they're not all from the bank. They're not all from Barclays or HSBC. A lot of these loans, well, let's face it, what Punjabi farmer is going to sit there and draw up a cash flow forecast to show some fancy bank manager? A lot of these small to medium marginalized farmers, they're, they're forced to take loans out from loan sharks. Now, no matter where you go in the world, loan sharks are never nice people. They're going to take advantage of people's vulnerability. When they can see a farmer, an innocent farmer, is struggling to meet all the existing debts he's got, they're going to take advantage of them, take advantage of him to the full extent. I think I read somewhere, uh, loan shark was charging a Punjabi farmer double the national interest rate. Double. So some thug, some bold, greasy thug in a village, in a broken house, is charging more than Barclays. Charging more than the government is allowing them to. But what's the far- what choice has the farmer got? They're so desperate to keep onto their land. They have to, to get money from these types of people. And imagine the sort of guilt they feel when they have to sell their land or when they're pressured to sell these land because these thugs are threatening their families. In some cases, when the Punjabi farmers commit suicide, it's the loan shark that gets it. It's because they're the ones that push them to that point. In some cases, that loan shark just don't give a fuck and he'll pass on that loan to the rest of the family. So now the family has to deal with the repercussions. That could have, I need to start emphasizing this, that could have just as easily been us. Four different types of suicides, the people, the people around and the people's families are always feeling to themselves, well, why didn't that person reach out to us? Why didn't they turn to us if they got trouble with money? Well, the case in India is they can't turn to anyone with money because either because of pride. It's always because of pride, ego. They don't feel like taking money off other people. They've got too much pride. Or they simply can't because no one else around can afford that money. Or they don't want to burden their friends and family overseas because they feel like it's not their problem. And that's the worst feeling because a lot of our older relatives, they probably have brothers and sisters or cousins in India that have taken their lives due to debt. How do you think they're feeling? They're feeling to themselves, well, why didn't you open up to me? Why didn't you reach out to me that you needed help, that you needed financial support? Now, that they're going to have to live with that guilt. Suicide, it's, it's a very nasty, a very nasty concept because not only does it affect the actual victim, it affects all those different people around them that are thinking to themselves. The one thing they're asking themselves is why? Why didn't they reach out? Why didn't they do this? It's, it's something that's never going to be solved. You just never know when someone is going to take their life or when they're pushed to that point. This is why Punjabi farmers are out there protesting right now. But at the end of the day, what good is protesting? I mean, we've seen it in Nigeria as well for those people that have protested against police brutality. I think you've seen the hashtag on Twitter, NSARS. Anyone that does speak out against the government, against their authorities, 
is beaten up by the police, they're arrested, they're thrown into jail without any charges, they're tortured in jail. Does this not sound familiar to you? Does this not sound like some of the stuff we used to read about in the history textbooks at school? I know some of you can't relate because some of you probably did geography like retards, only the elite did history. If you did a bit of both, I respect you because at least you were wise enough to do history. Don't know what's happening in geography, you probably just, just didn't want to do business studies, I don't know. But my point is, history is not getting any better, it's only getting worse. The world's biggest dictatorship, the Soviet Union, they sent peasants to the Gulag when they uprose about their agricultural issues. I don't mean the Gulag in Warzone, by the way. These are two completely different types of Gulags. I've never actually won a Gulag in Warzone. It's kind of embarrassing. But my point is, as I was saying, the world's biggest dictatorship, a similar situation in there is happening in India right now. It might not have the label dictatorship, but it's as good as. They're still suppressing the people, stopping them from speaking out violating their freedom of speech like we are literally so lucky to be living in this country we might not be happy with it but at least now we can at least speak out without being beaten up by the police this is why the people in these countries need our help and support we're already doing such a good job for example with the Punjabi farmers there have been two rallies in England so far one was in Southport where the host of that rally was fined £10,000 and another one in Birmingham where they marched through the rain I think it was in Birmingham where it rained one of the two. Do you understand what I'm going to say? I mean, this £10,000 fine for violating COVID guidelines, Where, why weren't these fines being handed out when in the first lockdown, people were gathering at the park, gathering at the beaches for what social activities? At least this is for a good cause. At least this is trying to indirectly raise awareness so they can save lives. I know I said at the beginning I like the UK government, but at the flip side, you could say they are suppressive because by issuing these fines, why are, you, why are they issuing fines to people that are trying to do good trying to do a good deed, they're spreading awareness about a very key issue that has taken lives right now. Surely there must be some policy in these fines that exemplifies people like this, or there should be if there isn't already. By issuing these fines, they're just trying to deter people from gathering together and potentially spreading awareness, or potentially having these rallies. But something in these last six months is shown that you cannot crush the spirit of the people. Even when a national pandemic was going on, we still gathered together for the BLM, well, not personally, but surely you must know people that gathered together for the BLM and spoke out against it. Even though these fines were circulating, they still gathered together and rallied for the Punjabi farmers, even in the poor weather conditions. You cannot crush the spirit of the people, even when the government, even when these large social media platforms like Instagram try to silence us. For example, there's a page now called Saving Punjab. It's a very big, influential page. It's helped spread and educate a lot of people about this Punjabi farmer crisis. For those of you that like reading, go and check it out right now. There's all sorts of other stuff on there. A couple of weeks ago, the owners of their page struggled to log in because Instagram had allegedly taken them down. What was all that about? Why are they deliberately trying to throw a spanner in the works when they're trying to do good? These Instagram pages, these social media platforms that help us promote our businesses or our music all day long, but when someone is actually trying to genuinely do something good, why are they trying to silence us? Like, we should be proud that we continue to speak out against injustice until we see some form of change. Like, we're actively unifying together. And that's something we should be proud of. If anything, the pandemic, I know I said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, it's driving us further apart because everyone's stitching on each other. But at the same time, it's bringing us closer together as well. So it depends on what type of person you are. If you're a snitch, well, you're just going to drive people away. If you're very passionate about these issues, it's going to bring you closer together. It doesn't help when these large corporations, these large social media platforms that help us 
They'll help us promote our businesses all day long, but when we actually try and speak out against a particular issue, they're the first ones to shut us down. For example, there's an Instagram page right now called Saving Punjab. If you don't follow it, follow it right now, or you know, just take a look at some of their posts and repost it. Since this farmer crisis, they've been doing the most to try and spread awareness about it, get people to educate themselves, posting all sorts of GoFundMe links, all sorts of stuff to raise awareness. A couple of months ago, they even got the hashtag popping actually, Saving Punjab. That's all thanks to this page. But a couple of months ago, they struggled to log into the Instagram page. Or a couple of weeks ago, they struggled to log on. Why Instagram trying to shut us down? One of the largest platforms that was raising awareness, Instagram trying to shut down. Does that not scream suppression to you? Why are they trying to why are they trying to silence us for? What harm are we doing to them? Maybe they want to keep us in a bubble so we just focus on specific news articles. And that's their attempt at brainwashing us. Maybe they want don't want us to focus on other social injustices. Maybe there's a very evil person out there that just keeps reporting all these different hashtags. Unless an Instagram spokesperson comes out tomorrow, we're never going to know, are we? And let's face it, an Instagram spokesperson is not going to come out about an issue like this. To them, it's irrelevant, but to us, it's We've got to keep on spreading awareness. But actually, this question goes out to the audience now. Those of you listening, my DMs are open for this. How else can we promote change? It's all well and good of spreading awareness, educating ourselves. But surely there must be other alternatives we can do that actively creates a change for the Punjabi farmers. It doesn't necessarily have to be from the top. We're not hopeful. I mean, we can't wait around for the government to make any sort of change. We need help on the ground level first. So, for example, I've been looking into trying to donate to Khalsa Aid. They're the ones handing in, handing out donations to the protesters right now in Punjab. So, you know, you know in primary school, you see those little shoe boxes. Trying to arrange something like that or try and start a GoFundMe page. If anyone has started a GoFundMe page for the Punjabi farmers, let me know and I'll share it. Or, obviously, I know I haven't got that many followers right now. Make this podcast blow and then I'll share it. Uh, also, if you have any relatives in India or your parents or grandparents, whatever, do get them to check up on them. They're at a very vulnerable time right now with these new bills being released. So get your relatives to check up on them. Offer them some support, emotional. I don't necessarily mean financial support. Don't turn this podcast off and go immediately transfer £3,000 to your cousin Brickball. That's not what I'm saying. If they do need financial support, see what you can arrange. I'm not necessarily saying that though. Offer them emotional support. Let them know that you're there for them so they feel valued. So they don't have the whole weight of their families on their shoulders. So they have someone to... I don't know, just someone to cry to you, do you understand what I mean? These suicides are happening because they feel that they have the whole weight of their family riding on their shoulders. That's not always the case if you let them know that you're there for them. But anyways, thank you for listening to the second episode for 2020 Visions. If you haven't already, go and follow my Instagram page, underscore 2020 Visions, underscore, or go and follow my Twitter page, 2020 Visions, underscore. I actually follow back on Twitter. Unless you're weird off on browse Twitter, then I am following you back, sorry. But yeah, share whatever you can, share with your friends, your family. Lads, if you're gals ignoring ya, send this podcast episode saying, yo, you need education, so here, listen to this podcast. If she still ignores you after that, bro, fucking leave her.